This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit victoryfaith.org, where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at victoryfaith.org live. Now, on to the message. Well, speaking of graduates, we are so excited to hear from the School of Leadership who is graduating this weekend. So why don't you join with me as we welcome our first student, Heather Lee, to the stage. Thank you. Thank you. Like she said, my name is Heather Lee, and I'm a first year in the School of Leadership. A little bit about myself, I gave my life to Jesus when I was three years old, and I have always gone to church. The first six years of my life, fear was not a real thing to me. I deeply loved my family, and I walked in true joy every single day. I was the bright, bubbly, bouncy little girl running around the church giggling every Sunday. But the six years ended, and I quickly found out that fear was a real thing. And it came creeping in, followed by shame, and they hit so hard by the time I was seven, I was a totally different kid. The best way to describe the next 10 years of my life was that the colors drained away. The bright colorful world of Heatherly became dull and gray, and I no longer saw joy in life. But through the loss of joy, God kept me close to him. He did not let me go. He held me through all the panic attacks, the anxiety, the depression, the the constant night terrors. And because God didn't let me go, I knew I could could trust God no matter what, that he would never leave me. And so when I finally decided to seek God for myself, he helped me. It took me a few years, but I heard of the School of Leadership, and here I am. Thank you. And I thought it would take at least a month for something exciting to happen when SL started, but no, God did not waste a single second. Second day of SL, I learned two things that changed and paved the way for the rest of the school year and most likely my life. Number one, I learned and understood God's unconditional love for me. Literally, no conditions, he loves me. Number two, I was reminded of the joy I experienced as a child and that God was activating joy again in my life where I had been pressed down by fear. And those two things led the way for one of my first prayers in the group, which was me declaring that I could use my voice, I could speak up, that I am allowed to pray and talk in the name of Jesus. And just like that, I began talking. And these things didn't happen because it's SL, but because SL provided space for me to press into God and allowed me to go through the process of healing and breaking habits and thought patterns. And it wasn't all joyful, but I did find joy from it. Like halfway through the school year, one of my close friends from my class had to leave the school to go help her friend, family, and it was really, really hard on me. But God, it wasn't just because I missed my friends, but because God used that to reveal to me some trust issues I had from old friend wounds. So I let God take me through healing. Just like when he revealed to me some things in my past that had happened that I had forgotten about that were painful and traumatizing even. And while I wish a lot of things never happened, Uh, Well, I wish a lot of things had never happened. I found joy because God uses what the enemy meant for evil, and he turns it for good. It also wasn't fun stepping out of fear and choosing to step into boldness, but God helped me with that as well. And now that I've been freed from fear, I can see just how much it affected me, and not just mentally and spiritually, but physically too. I used to get these horrible stomach cramps during social events. When talking to people, I would like wring my hands so much that I was genuinely surprised that I never broke or dislocated my fingers. And if I wasn't wringing my hands, I was like scraping my knuckles so much that, I'm, that I would leave cuts and scars all over my hands. I would like hunch into my shoulders to hide, and hide away from people. Mid-sentence panic would wipe away all my thoughts, leaving me stuttering and stammering just to start wringing and scraping my knuckles. But Let's just say, by the grace of God, I don't have cuts and scars on my hands anymore. My stomach doesn't cramp. I still haven't broken my fingers, and I have a lot less back pain now that I'm not hunching over. The power of fear was so strong in my life, but nowhere near compares to the power of God. And so when I drew in close to God, fear inevitably left. And so that's something I could take joy in. 
And that's my testimony. Thank you so much for listening. And now I have the privilege and honor to introduce not just my friend, but my cousin, Ethan. All right, well, my name is Ethan. I am 20 years old, and uh, yeah, I grew up in a, an amazing Christian family. A lot of them are here. Shout out to you guys. I love you so much. And they were so amazing because they consistently prayed for me, and I think my life is an example of what that does. Uh, and I just had such amazing parents who raised me so well. So yeah, I am the oldest of five, and this is my first year being a part of the School of Leadership. Um, I've known Jesus for as long as I can remember, and I grew up with a lot of uh, prophetic voices speaking into my life, um, speaking to me about my destiny, and God told me all growing up that I was meant to be a leader. And I lived that out by always leading my friend circles in school and, and bossing my cousins around. And... Um, but although I was raised in a church, I wasn't without my issues. As a young kid, I dealt with a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, I went through a season in fourth grade where I was going to like the school counselor almost daily. Uh, I was like a usual there. <laughs> and uh, I was just so nervous of everything. Fear began to take the joy out of things that I was supposed to enjoy. Um, and it was terrible, but one day my dad gave me this verse, and I've, I've built my life around this verse. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This verse changed my life. I began to practically take every anxious thought that I had captive. I began to immediately give it to God. I began to give it to him in exchange for peace. And if the anxious, anxious thoughts persisted, my prayers persisted. I began to live a life desperate for God. I can now say I live a life of boldness and confidence. And now here I am in the school of leadership pursuing my destiny. SL has been an amazing but difficult time for me. See, I've learned that fear is not the only thing I've struggled with. Growing up never knowing, or growing up never knowing life without God, um, and with words of me being a leader, the enemy began to twist my perspective on leadership. See, I learned that I was trying to lead to benefit myself. But being a leader means serving the very people you lead. Being a leader means being self-sacrificial. I grew up with lots of pride and, and just thinking I was better than people. Uh, and one day in SL, I came to the hard realization that I actually deserved to go to hell. All my life, I thought I was above being deserving of hell. But in my pride, I pushed people down instead of helping them up. In my pride, I might have actually been pushing people away from heaven. Turns out, just like everyone else, I am a sinful human being. So God humbled me in just the most loving way. Um, he began to correct my perspective using some of my best friends. And even when I wronged God, he still loves me and he still wants to use me. I've learned what makes me a leader. Not my own skill, but my ability to follow God's will. And just like how I learned to be desperate for God to take my anxiety, I learned how to desperately need him to take my pride. My destiny is to be a leader, but I know it's not because of my ability, but it's because God has called my name, and I'm going to answer. All right, I now get introduced one of the most faithful and hardworking individuals I know, Jess. Wow, thank you, thank you guys. Yes, like Ethan said, my name is Jessica. I'm 20 years old. I'm the youngest in a family of six. I have four brothers, one sister. I was homeschooled and I grew up north of Spokane on 20 acres, so I spent most of my time outside doing anything and everything. <laughs> I'm blessed to be a part of an amazing family. My parents have faithfully served the Lord and have modeled what it looks like to be in the word daily and praying constantly. Gave my life to Jesus at a very young age, probably around five or so, and I've just grown up going to church most of my life. And as I've grown up and grown in my personal relationship with the Lord, hasn't always been perfect, but the Lord has shown himself so faithful to me 
and has walked me through all of life's ups and downs, the struggles of dealing with anxiety at times, of seeing my dad deal with cancer, of seeing a sibling walk away from the Lord, of having a special needs brother and questioning him and his healing. But through all, all of that, when I look back over my life, I just see the faithfulness and goodness of God. He's been faithful in my life and in my family's life. I see how he's protected me and hidden me in the shadow of his wings. I've been preserved from the destruction and hardship of sin, and I've discovered that I don't go, have to go and taste the things of the world before discovering he's the only one who will satisfy me. He's taught me to trust him and remain in him even through disappointment. Things in my life haven't gone the way I thought they would. And he was faithful in leading me to do the school leadership, and it was something I questioned and wrestled with at times. He showed me that even though I have just grown up loving the Lord, discipleship is still so important. And there was more he wanted to show me and grow in me through SL. And he's done just that. He showed me that I am loved even when I feel weak and inadequate. And I've had leaders who have led and loved me so well by letting me be vulnerable and not have it all together. <laughs> in areas where I can be a people pleaser and put a lot of pressure on myself, to do everything right and have it all together. He's teaching me it's okay to be in the process and is releasing that pressure I so often put on myself. Where I can tend to shrink back and fear instead of be bold and use my voice. I've been called up and at points I've had no choice but to press through the nerves and the doubt and discover that what I have to say is important and my voice does matter. I was even reading back in one of my older journals recently and realized I used to struggle with a lot of doubt. Doubt of who God was, if he really loved me, if he was really forgiving. And I would get so worked up and worried about so many little things. I can say I have peace in place of doubt and worry. I'm confident in who God is and I trust his voice. I even at one point thought my testimony wasn't as powerful as others. Because I haven't had a really hard past or walked away from the Lord before returning to him. But I've just grown up loving him. He showed me that it is powerful because it's a testimony of his goodness and not my badness. And as someone who has a desire to be a mom and have a family one day, it's the very thing that I want for my kids, that they would know the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord all the days of their life. And that's just a glimpse of what the Lord has done in me the last two years. It really is hard to sum up in a few short minutes, but I can say that he has been so faithful, and I know he will continue to be. I'll just leave you with this, Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Hope you're encouraged with that. Come on, come on. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Thank you. All right. So my name is Paulina, and I want to paint and take you in a part of my story. I was born in Mexico when I was, four, when my, oh, my mom had me when she was 14 years old. Sorry, I'm a little nervous up here. <laughs> she is the strongest woman I know. I love you, mom. I was also raised without a birth father. I had the opportunity to move to America undocumented when I was four years old. Growing up, I experienced and felt disappointment, abandonment, fear, and father wounds. Even though I experienced these things growing up, God was my refuge. In the midst of chaos, the Lord protected me and saw after my heart, and he drew me close. My view of the Lord being a good father was never damaged by the things I experienced. This was only by the grace of God. I will say nobody comes from a perfect family. We come from a fallen and broken humanity. We are all in need of the cross. I came to know the deep and intimate heart of the Lord and he, I learned to be fully dependent on him. Everything that I put my foundation on, it was shaken. And I stepped into the wilderness of the unknown. And he brought an outpouring of his presence and glory. Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say this about the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Through all the brokenness and hardship I faced growing up through the Lord, through the process of coming and returning to America and getting my citizenship, the Lord protected me. I didn't run to drugs. I didn't run to alcohol or voice, but I sought and ran hard after the Lord. He is my refuge in whom I trust. 
and praise God, I made it to the school of leadership. <laughs> Through worship and God's word, the Lord began to sing songs of deliverance and freedom over me from trauma, pain, and loneliness. Time with pastors and leaders, they spoke about God's goodness and design for family, and it changed my view on the beauty of family. Family is a valuable thing to me. I used to see family as something uncertain. I was always afraid of what may happen next because my idea of family was always changing. Now I stand here boldly proclaiming that generations to come will serve the house of the Lord. And I have a redemption story. The Lord has released me and brought breakthrough and freedom from painful memories. I've been released from fear of man. I've been on a journey of being restored from father and mother wombs that I caged up and suppressed for many years. I'm no longer an orphan, but I've been adopted into his kingdom and I am his. I found healing that is not found in time, but only in Jesus. I know the author of my story has already won the victory. Through it all, my testimony is, this is important, in the midst of hardship, you can have intimacy with the Father. The Lord revealed to me that the great commandment comes before the great commission, and that is to love the Lord first. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and every taste makes me more hungry for his presence. There never has to be a limit to intimacy with Jesus. It is possible to never lack seal for Jesus. I have never stopped pursuing the love of the Lord. Throw me into a difficult place. I'll go deeper. In the midst of tragedy and hardship, I'm going to run into his presence. When shaking comes, I will praise him because he is worthy. When disappointment and heartache come, I will fall more in love with him. He is the one thing that your circumstances cannot touch but can propel you into deeper intimacy with Jesus. Success in life isn't being an evangelist or how many souls you save or having a college degree or being a pastor worship leader but success in life is intimacy with Jesus and I will say that I was once one way and now I'm the other way and everything that happened in between was Jesus surely he is the son of God thank you and I get to introduce to you my best friend Jenna So as she mentioned, I'm Jenna, and I'm a first year in the school. So growing up, I was raised by a very loving, supporting family, and I was raised to believe in God. But I didn't know that I could have a relationship with him, a friendship. I believed in God, but I wasn't surrendered to him. And I didn't even really know that you could have an abundant life beyond when you surrender your life to him. And I started to get this new desire and this new longing to know more of Jesus. And near the end of 2020, my friend and I tried out Victory Faith Youth. And uh, we went to Victory Faith for the first time. And seriously, walking in for the first time was a breath of fresh air. Through the next couple of months, I continued to go to youth group. And in that environment, February 2021, I was saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And in, and in July, I was baptized. I had an entirely new outlook on who Jesus was. A desire to deepen my relationship with him, which I didn't even know was possible a couple months prior. And then these plans started, or sorry, my entire life I had planned out for as long as I could remember. After high school, I would go to college, have a family, get married, have kids, you know, the whole life thing. And, but these plans started to become disrupted. I realized that I had to change my idea of what success was supposed to look like. God needed to teach me that success, being successful is through putting him first, yes. through seeking a relationship with him above all else so that he can release me into my future. And during this time, I started questioning things like, do I even wanna go to college? Do I even wanna become a teacher? And how could I, how could I change every life decision I've made up to this point and disappoint my family. I would cry out to God, asking him to shed a light on my next step. 
although I was entirely unaware of the fact that he was speaking to me right then and there. And over the next couple of months, SL was always on my mind. I mean, always on my mind. I would be in the most random situations, imagining what myself would be, what myself in the school and wondering what it would be like for me. But the thought that always followed was I couldn't do it and it is not for me. It wasn't until youth camp, one week before I left for college, that I finally surrendered it all to God. I knew what the Lord was calling me to, and not only that, I knew that he was going to carry me through the obstacles of getting there. I had to allow God to reroute my life, and I knew that that was through discipleship. I surrendered every opposing thought, and ultimately I believe it was not only so I could become a disciple of Jesus, so I could deepen my relationship with him, but it was also for my safety. I mean, I was about to go into a university newly saved, still stuck in the bondage of anxiety, shame, insecurity, but the Lord encountered me and he provided a way out. The thing was, it was my choice. The Lord was always knocking, standing there and knocking on the door, but it had to be my choice to open up that door and walk through it. And through all the obstacles, the verse that helped me and I had to remind myself of was Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And through committing nine months of my life, I can say that I have found freedom. Freedom from things that I've done in the past. Through disclosure and prayer, I can say that I am free. I am free from shame. I am free from anxiety. And I am free from insecurity. And the truth, Jesus, the truth set me free. And you guys, he can set you free too. And with that, I'd like to introduce a close friend of mine, Allison. Thank you. Hello. My name is Allison, and a little bit of background on me. I grew up in a really great family. Shout out to Jay and Kim. If you know them, you love them. Um, I was always in the church. I actually don't remember a time when I didn't know the Lord, but I still struggled with pretty intense social anxiety through middle school and most of high school. But towards the end of my junior year, my youth group started going through a series on fear, and over those several weeks, I was really wrestling with God. I knew that I needed to give up my fear and that anxiety wasn't his portion for me, but it was like a security blanket for me. It was protecting me from vulnerability and rejection and actual friendships. It wasn't good, but it felt really safe while I was in it. And so I went back and forth with God a lot. But on the last night of the series, I finally gave in and told God that he could have it all. No matter the consequences, I was ready for his freedom. And he set me free in an instant. And can I just say that same power that set me free that night is here this morning and it's available to all of you. Amen. And though I was set free in a moment like that, it was still quite a process to really start to feel comfortable in who I am and confident in who God made me to be. But immediately out of high school, I joined the School of Leadership so that I could build a firm foundation on God before going out into the rest of my life right? I had all the right words, but suddenly I found myself in a group of friends that were all cheering me on and running the same direction as me, and it really quickly became more about them than about actually seeking the Lord. So when I got out of my first year, I felt like it had been impactful, but most of what I got out of it were the friendships, and so I decided I didn't need to go back, and I would keep working through what would have been my second year. And during my time out of SL, I got a different perspective on my first year. I began to see all the places where I hadn't given my all to the discipleship process. I noticed that I didn't get out of the school all that I could have had I been a little more intentional. So when somebody pointed out that I might be able to come back and do a second year a year late, thank you, Paulina, I decided to do it. I went back and forth a lot at the beginning of the year, wondering if I was moving backwards or if I was making the wrong decision as if giving nine months to genuinely seek the Lord could ever be the wrong decision. <laughs> but the Lord has been so faithful to meet me at every turn and to prove again and again that he is worth it all. This last nine months, I've been intentional to seek the face of the Lord, to be vulnerable with my leaders, to grow in my walk with the Lord as much as I possibly could, 
And because of that, I've seen miracles. I have seen the Lord's provision. And I've seen the love and the joy and the peace of the Lord like never before. Yeah. God has proven time and time again that he is faithful and he is worthy. And although I started this year out still filled with fear of the unknown, I can genuinely say that I'm coming out the other side with more peace and strength walking into the unknown than I ever thought possible. And so if I could leave you with anything this morning, it would be be intentional with your time with the Lord and just see what he'll do. He's always faithful to meet us where we're at. And with that, thank you, thank you. And with that, I'd like to introduce Pastor Jared. Hey, come on, it's graduation Sunday and we are excited for what God is doing in this place. Come on. I'm Pastor Jared. Hey, been doing, uh, been with the School of Leadership since 2010. And uh, just watching students graduate, seeing what the Lord does. If you're new around here, our school leadership is our nine-month discipleship school for about ages 18 to 25. And, and the, the uh, what would I want to say? The, um, I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> I wanted to say, I wanted to say that it, it, the prescription is easy, okay? It's young adults that want to make room for God, okay? And then it's leaders that want to encourage and speak truth. It's bringing the word of God into their life. And then what happens is that we make room for the presence of the Lord. And when you make room for the presence of the Lord, married by truth and encouragement and environment, what happens is that people are healed, people are set free. There's a foundation that's built inside of their life. And the Lord does amazing things to set them on their course for whatever God has for them next. And that's what we want to do. That's our prescription of what, what we're doing. And we're going to continue to do that and see the kingdom of God built. So for me, I have two amazing parents, Byron and Colleen. They're right there in the thing. If you haven't met them, they're amazing. And so when I was uh, young, I grew up in the church knowing the Lord, but that did not keep me from having, uh, let's just say, precarious, disagreeable decisions, failures that I had to face my parents. Does anyone know what I'm talking about in this place? You're growing up. There are some kinds of things that you wish didn't take place, they were, but they did. For instance, I wrecked my car, and I remember sitting home, and my dad didn't know, waiting for him to come home to break the news that the car is not here, but it's somewhere else. And so you better believe that the lawn was mowed, and I was rolling over how I was going to break the news. <laughs> nice to see you, Father. How are you doing today? Or how about this one, right? Uh, I got my mother who comes down and I have an old girlfriend and I'm in my bedroom. And let's just say she walks in on us and we're not necessarily painting each other's nails, if you know what I'm saying. That is a peculiar, interesting uh, walk through with mom kind of sitting in the dim lit uh, like couch over there in the corner as I escort this young lady out of our house and have a difficult conversation, right? <laughs> Finding alcohol in my closet and just hundreds of different things as you're growing up and you have to deal. But you know what? The things that don't stand out to me as much as the things that I did, it was my parents' response. My parents' response to me and my failures, that they would always affirm that they loved me, that there was a call of God on my life despite my unfortunate, disagreeable, sinful, disappointing situations. Their response would penetrate my heart and it would still be with me today. Bottom line, I'm their son. I know that that's not the case for everyone here. For some, they were met with anger and disappointment and rage. And for some, they were met with only being, having attention put on them for the things that they did wrong, but never the attention for the things that they did right. And for some people, your parents or the people that were seeing you actually didn't care what you did, and that hurt the most. I want to say that there is a God in heaven who is not your human experience. 
There's a God in heaven that's not your experience. And do not let your human experience shape the way that you view and view God how he sees you regardless of your situation. God is far greater than you could ever hope, think, or imagine. His patience with you is far greater. His goodness for you is far greater. His mercy towards you is far greater than you could ever example. In our human condition, we begin to project our experience upon God the Father, and we begin to hide away from somebody who is so open and inviting. I'm talking about the goodness of God this morning. The goodness of God. It pales in comparison just how much and amazing God is. And let me just say that God does. He does not want sin to to be in your life. He hates sin, but he loves people. And he's more concerned about our destination and our relationship with him than your current circumstance. He is more concerned with where you are going, hopefully towards him, than your current circumstance, hoping that his goodness would meet you in the midst of tragedy or in the midst of weakness, that you would find undone with the Lord and come back to his graces because he has so much more to pour and work through your life. I have been in church my whole life, and I've recently just been undone and overwhelmed by the goodness of God by his patience. I'm not talking about just financial blessing. I'm talking about his overwhelming patience and kindness and goodness in the midst of hardship, lacking of faith, disbelief, shortcomings, wherever he finds you, where you say, maybe God, you got the wrong person, or maybe I'm just not going to measure up. And he meets you. He meets you right there, as if I could ever be deserving. But you know how it gets in church. I'm going to talk to the church people in the place today. You get to a place where things are going well. Your devotions are going well. Your uh, time with the Lord is going well. You feel like the sin has, uh, you've, you've overcome some things, and then maybe not so much. And you're hit with something, and then you begin to say, well, this is all good and new, but I've already come to the cross. I've already been forgiven his mercy, and yet now I'm stuck in the same failure that I used to be. Surely now, since I've already accepted the cross, he's got to be so much more disappointed in me, so much more agitated. It's the time that you, the prophet comes in and you want to hide your face. You're worried about God exposing you, exposing what you're hiding, exposing how you feel, exposing your comparisons, exposing your lack of faith. Let me just say, if you feel like that this morning, it's from the pit of hell. God has a better word for you. What God has to say in the midst of your weakness is that he loves you and his plans for you are full of peace joy and purpose. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I use it all the time, it's found in Romans 2 verse 4, and it's sandwiched between God's judgment and people's wickedness and a long list of unrighteous deeds and God-haters and people that are, are actually promoting evil, and this question is proposed right in the middle of it all, and it's proposed to you and it's proposed to me, and it's proposed to anybody who finds themselves in the sound of my voice or in the word of God, and it says in verse Verse four, it says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God will lead you to repentance? What a beautiful statement to be made in what looks like such a negative chapter. It beckons in the midst of what God does not like. His heart is revealed in two sentences. And he says that I'm patient with you. I'll actually withstand your lack. I'll believe a better word for you. I have something better that actually when you feel like you least deserve it, my goodness will overwhelm you. And you'll find what real repentance is all about. You'll find me. You'll find the Lord that even in the absolute rejection of God, he will meet you with patience, with goodness, and with mercy, that the people that he loves will find themselves turning back to him, the Father. 
Jesus, who is God, does not desire that you pay for something that he already paid for. You have to hear that. Jesus does not desire that you pay for something he already paid for. That would nullify the cross, right? It was never about that. He desires that you have the life he paid for. The Zoe life, he loves you and you have to understand that. That has to be a foundation in this thing that we call Christianity or else it'll become a bunch of religious rules and obligations and we will be stuck under the bondage of a cruel God and we will miss it. Come on. We will miss the goodness, but his goodness will break you down. He will, his plan is actually to kill you with kindness so your soul is undone. He will break you down. And when you think that you deserve the worst, he pours it on stronger and he'll bring you to a place that says, God, I can do nothing but surrender to your goodness. Listen to this, Ezekiel 33, 11, Old Testament. Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord. I love that. Declares the sovereign Lord. As surely as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. If there is ever a statement of repentance found in the heart of God, he says, I don't desire to, I don't even take any pleasure. It's not my plan for you. So if you grew up thinking that God actually takes pleasure in punishment, actually that just takes away the whole purpose of Christ's existence here in the first place. He doesn't desire that you pay for it. He desires that you turn back from him and receive what's already been paid. You have to get that in your heart. You have to get it in your heart. Repentance is not a shameful word. It is the most, like, beautiful, the most loving word in the Bible. It is the beginning of the gospel. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. It's saying, guess what? Your repentance is just turning back to me, and you'll be washed and cleansed. There's a familiar passage in the scripture it's called the prodigal son, and I think you all know it well. And if you haven't, it's found in Luke 15, 11 through 32, and I'd encourage you to read it later. But there is a father and there is two sons. These are the characters in the Bible, and I'm going to highlight one of the sons, and I'm going to highlight the father. But one thing that you have to do, it's not just sons. The sons are you, and they are me. You are a part of the story. And this is a picture of God. And God would be represented as the father. And the prodigal sons would be represented. The elder and the younger brother would be presented to us in choices. And his response towards you and me. Another thing that I want to point out about the prodigal son is that both sons are in the house. This isn't somebody who's never met the Lord. He is in the house with an inheritance, loved by the God. You could say that he is saved. And he asked God, or the father, he asked for his inheritance early, which is a huge slap in the face. It's kind of like saying, I wish you were dead so I could get what's mine. And it says, and this is the story that God is saying. And he would say, I'm going to take my inheritance. And he says it goes off to a country far away. And he spends his money and his wealth on what it would say, reckless living. And you can go ahead and put whatever you want to put in reckless living. You can put murder in there. You can put drugs, you can put uh, promiscuous uh, nature or fornication, whatever you want to put in it, he says it's reckless living. And then he finds himself spent, he finds himself alone, he finds himself in famine, and he finds himself pondering the goodness of his father. How do I know that he's finding, pondering the goodness of his father? It says that he was thinking about his servants and he said, even my servants in my father's house have enough. So he decides to come up with his repentant speech and he says, you know what? I'm not worthy. And this is one of the most profound statements that he makes. He says, and it's a, it's a truth. It's said in a negative standpoint, but the truth of it is true. He says that I am not worthy to be his son. Who's worthy but one? 
There is only one who is worthy and his name is Jesus. He would deem you worthy by his actions, not yours. It was a truth that came to him, but yet he was still a son. And it said that the father would see him afar off, not waiting for him to come to him, tell him how he was gonna pay him back, tell him all the sad story, make him work back up to position. He's like mid-sentence, I am working on you. I see you, come and get the ring, get the robe. And he's trying to apologize. And the father says he would hug him and embrace him and kiss him and plan a party. That is repentance. God wants you to come to him. He's not worried about the circumstance more than the destination. And the destination needs to be found in God. The destination needs to be found in God. This God responds to you. His goodness is waiting patiently for you to realize that you don't have to be worthy, that it was never about you. It was always about Jesus and him deeming us worthy. That the blood of Jesus is enough. The sufficiency of the cross is enough. That heaven celebrates when you yield to the goodness of God. When we are undone again by his love and his kindness. When we obtain mercy in the beautiful thing we call repentance. Whether you are in the church, saved or unsaved. Maybe never called upon the name of the Lord. His goodness wants to meet you. There's a door open to you with his goodness on the other side. It's a turning away and coming back home to where he's always imagined you and wanted you to be. Hebrews 4, 14, 16, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are and did not sin. And so listen to what it says. It says, so let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in what Christ had achieved, not in what you bring to God so that you may receive mercy. Mercy, it's what you don't deserve. And that you would find grace, the enabling power of God to do what he has called you to do and to live the life he has called you to do. I don't know if there's anyone in here who has ever called upon the name of the Lord, but we are going to go into that right now. If you find yourself afar off with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you find yourself afar off and never have called upon the name of the Lord, and you've never felt his goodness in your life, and you never felt his mercy, and you never repented for your sin, there is a Father who loves you in heaven, and his Holy Spirit wants to fill you. And the shame that you feel or guilt from past things, he wants to wash away and restore sonship or daughtership to you. It says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If I'm speaking to anyone online or here present, if you wanna raise your hand and respond to the Lord, do so now so I know who I'm praying for and we're gonna pray together. Thank you, Lord. So if you raise your hand or wish you would have, could everyone just uh, stand up this morning? And we're gonna pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, forgive me for what I've done. I believe that you died for me and rose again that I may have life. Come into my life, wash me clean. Holy Spirit, fill me. Lead me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to connect with our connections team out in the lobby. And uh, we have a gift for you. And we have people that want to connect with you on that journey. It is the most beautiful decision that you'll ever make in your life. And it's life-changing But that's not the only celebration we're celebrating. We are celebrating graduation for our interns here this morning. I want to introduce you, introduce them to you in just a second as things are coming out. Is that going to be okay? I'll just take it. You know, this was 
nine months, maybe even two years of people just kind of pressing into the things of God. And it's a big deal what we celebrate today. And I'm so proud of each person. We've cried together, we've laughed together, we've served together and we worship God together and, and we've grown together and it is worth celebrating. So without further ado, we are gonna graduate our first years first. So we have Ethan DeWitt, Heatherly DeWitt, Jenna Ingle. And for our second years, we have Allison Smith, Emma McDonald, Jessica Stutes, Joel Christopher, Michael Diaz, Paulina Ochoa, and Peyton Cruz. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to introduce the 2022 class of the school leadership. Could you give them a hand? Let's pray for them real quick. Father God, we just thank you for their lives. Lord, we just declare your purpose over them and that your hand would be upon them all the days of their life, Lord. We look forward to their new uh, purpose, Lord. We look forward to the future. But God, we ask that you would cover them, use them, guide them. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. You guys can go ahead. Pastor Craig. Awesome job. Test, test, come on. Is that awesome? So good. What life is all about. You get extra PE credits today, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Before I say a little bit more about SL, I, I, I just want to keep it in front of us. Last week, we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this room. I don't know if you were here. We had dozens of people. We took about 15, 20 minutes at the end of service, Pastor Trevor shared an incredible message about the Holy Spirit. And we had dozens of people baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues for the first time at the end of service last week. It was so powerful. Um, SL students, you're amazing. I just so inspired by you. Where did Pastor Jared go? Can we give him a hand for that word? Come on. Wow. 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 And where did, where did I lose uh, Caitlin and Zoe? Where's Caitlin and Zoe? They're back there and back. Can we give them a big hand and Pastor Jared? You know, there's certain environments that you put seeds in and they grow rapidly. School of Leadership is that. It's like a greenhouse. It's like a greenhouse that you, I, Heatherly, who are you? Who are you? Oh my gosh. And I love it. These students come in the first year and, and when they graduate, I don't even recognize them. I don't. Who are they? The freedom, the liberty, the salvation, the healing, knowing their God. We sit around and had coffee with them the last time I got to meet with them last week. And here, every one of them knew clearly what God was speaking to them about their future, what God wanted to do in their lives. And that is extraordinary in this season. So we're proud of you students. You did an amazing job. Um, there's several ways. We have had this, this School of Leadership type program for over 20 years, approaching 25 years here at Victory Faith, raising up the next generation of leaders. And there's ways that you can help, continue to help us build that vision. Number one, next year we'll need house parents. We'll need house parents. And I'll tell you what, you wanna grow? Get a student in your house. That'll grow, grow us quicker than anything else. Moni and I have had students through the years and today they're family members, right? Kelsey, I could have others that I could stand up and say that about. They become family members for you. Another thing is maybe you're a young adult and God is calling you to give nine months of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, you will never be the same. The ripples that will go out from this group that stood up here will impact generation after generation after generation after generation. Their husbands and their wives will praise God for what they did this year. Their children will praise God for what they did. Their grandchildren will praise the Lord. So if you're that young adult and God's been speaking to you, sometimes it's an easy decision. More often than not, it's a hard decision because we know God's gonna speak 
and change us in that season. The other thing is that you could do today is we receive at every graduation an offering for School of Leadership. School of Leadership, again, almost 25 years of experience with it. The students pay a tuition to come into it. The program costs us double, almost every year, double what the tuition is that comes in. And so Victory Faith believes in that enough, believes in the generations enough, we make a commitment that we're gonna make up that difference as a church. But part of how we do that is we receive an offering uh, like here today to, to help bring the program on. And when you give into this, it's not your tithe, this is seeds. And seeds are powerful, seeds can be so powerful. Let me give you a couple scriptures. Second Corinthians 9, 10. God says this to people who give seeds. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower. He who supplies seed. If I am a seed planter, God says, I'll give you seeds to sow. So it's a multiplication scripture. And then I just want to look at this one. In Genesis 1, verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. The seeds that were planted in these young ones are gonna grow fruit, just like what you saw today in the coming days and coming years. And it says, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. Another translation says seeds that brought forth fruit of the same kind. This offering today is for the generations. That's what this offering is for. And so I always love it. Last night, Moni and I, we did online our offering for School of Leadership this year. And every time I do a School of Leadership offering, I'm planting seeds in my generation that are coming behind me, believing that the seeds, the ground that I'm planting these seeds in is gonna bless my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, and so I just encourage you today, there's an opportunity before you to plant seed into soil that is gonna not only help us build for the generations to come, but that by faith will impact those coming behind me in my family. So uh, if you're giving classic today, you're writing a check, there's an envelope in front of you in the, in the, de uh, the desk in front of you, the chair in front of you, the chair back in front of you. Um, write out your check, write SL, School of Leadership on it. Put it in there and drop it in the boxes in the back. Or if you're giving online, click the tab that says funding. The fund is School of Leadership. Amen? Wow. I just want to thank all of you. I want to thank you, Victory Faith, for being a church that supports the generations, the young and the old. Amen? I want to thank you for that. I want to thank our volunteers yesterday being here most of the day for Victory Hoops. Volunteers, it wouldn't have happened without you. Thank you, thank you. Pastor Terrence, you did amazing. Thank you for all that helped with that. So good. And Pastor Jared, you just rocked it, dude. Come on. Let's worship the Lord.